0: Um, There were, when I was a young boy and was at school, there were several subjects at school that I hated. And and when I thought about that, I realized I hated every single subject at school. (laughs) My parents didn't want to hear that. But there were some some of those subjects you hate more than others. So like mathematics, mathematics. English. I could never get my handle on English. But one I hated more than any other was history. I hated history. I couldn't see the point in history. But as the years have gone by, (laughs) but as the years have gone by, I've grown to love history more. Does that excite you? Shannon, I know you're you're happy man, yeah. I mean, one of the reasons could be um, that, you know, when you look at history, you learn things that inform you in the present that ripple into the future. Yeah? Could be that. It could be that uh, last year when I went, on, uh, went to Guernsey in search of uh, finding out what my papa is with my fano that when I was doing that, and as I was discovering that, that, that kind of churned up a deeper love for history as well. As I found out more about who I was and why I was. Or it could be that, you know, when you go to a historical site, you know, when you go to Europe, you let's just say you go to the Roman baths in Bath in England, and you stand on a stone on a pathway as you're going through the baths, and you go... Someone stood here when Jesus was a baby on this stone. Doesn't it just freak you out? Like you just stand there and you're just like, I don't know what to do with that. Someone stood here. Someone walked on this path. Someone famous that I've read about in books walked over this spot and bathed in that water when Jesus was a baby. It's incredible. And, and when you start to learn the history you start to go, oh, I'm learning some things that inform my present, that ripple into my future. Yeah? So today, we get to dance through Psalm 78. And, and we do this because today's a baby dedication, right? Little Ethan, thank you, George and Tara, for sharing that moment with your Fano, with us. What a great moment that was, thank you. And, um, you know, as a church, we journey with them, right? So um, the thing is, is that we're going to support them. Everyone go, I do? There you go. <laughs> we're all in this together. So we're going to dance through Psalm 78. Because it's a reminder to us of our responsibility of God's, as God's people, to the next generation. Okay? The psalm is the retelling of the history of the nation of Israel from the time in Egypt when they were in slavery to the time when David was their king. But it isn't history for the sake of of records. It's history with a lesson. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So here it is. History. I wish someone had told me this when I was 10. History will give you hope. No one told me that. I thought it was rubbish. But it provides hope. You see, Psalm 78 points out God's faithfulness to his people when his people were unfaithful. It shows that their repeated rebellion was due in part to their inability to remember what God had done for them. A standout theme in the psalm is that each generation has a responsibility. I want you to soak this up to teach the next generation about the works and the words of God. So here... We are reminded that the older generation not only failed to remember for themselves what God had done, but they failed to teach the next generation. They failed. We cannot. We cannot fail. Let me read Psalm 78, 1 to 8. If it's in your Bibles, you can follow along. Here we go. My people, this is a teacher, Who's summoning Israel together and he's going, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable and I will utter hidden things, things from of old things we have heard and known, things our ancestors told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will teach the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, the wonders He has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children... Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. That is jam-packed with good old jam, isn't it? Isn't it good? There are those, you know, um, coming back to today, there are those who believe that when children are born into a Christian family, that they are saved and have a relationship with Jesus. We believe, however, here at Glen Eden Baptist Church, that in order to have a relationship with Jesus, that is something that people make a decision on. As they're drawn by the Spirit of God, they make a decision. And that's how they come into a relationship with Jesus. And that's why we have a dedication service, and we don't have a baptism. But we dedicate our children because what's happening there with George and Tara is they're saying, yes, we declare that we will do our best to nurture young Ethan up in the ways of God. That's what we do here. So then I ask the question, so how do children fit into this community here at Glen Eden Baptist Church? Well, I would say it this way. Children are welcome members to this church. Yeah? children are welcome members to this church just like anybody's a welcome member to this church actually however if they're welcome members here then each one of us each and every one of you are spiritual guardians of them until they come to faith in jesus we are spiritual guardians They're whanau alongside the broader church whanau we are to journey together as a community with them at a spiritual level. God's given us a mandate to lead them to faith. So to be born into a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. But it does make us the spiritual guardians. So what does God require of us? What is our calling as parents and as a community church a church toward the, our children, the next generation? Well, in Psalm 78, 1 to 8, there are four tasks that God's called us to that lead to two blessings. Oh, it should be that way. Four tasks that lead to two blessings. Here's the first task we are to place God front and center of our lives. It begins with God. Verse 4 We will tell the next generation to to come, we will tell the next generation of the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. Uh, Let me tell you this, parents. All Christian parenting, all Christian education begins in one place, it begins with God. There's one ultimate, unchanging reality in this world, and that is God. God must be front and center of how you raise your children, how you teach your children, and how you discipline your children. There's so much worldly wisdom out there that we run to. There's a lot of band-aids that you can get hold of to try and fix behavior and stuff. But the first place we need to go to is God. It begins with God. It's built on God, and it's shaped by God. If there's one memory our children should have as they grow up in the church, as they grow up in your family, is that they should remember God. They should remember God. That's task number one, placing God front and center. Task number two, we are to deposit God's truth into their hearts This is the second stage of our calling as parents and as a church. We are to deposit God's word and God's truth, which is evident in this world, into the hearts of our children. Verse 5 says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. That law is still evident in our land even today. We have an obligation to deposit God's truth into the hearts of the next generation. And so the Bible is the way God reveals Himself, yes? With clarity and authority, it's in His Word. So the Bible shouldn't be one, one book amongst many books. It should be the central book. The Bible is full of truth that needs to be passed on to the next generation. Paul tells this to Timothy, he says, Guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. The task of parents and church, we must preserve the truth and transmit it to the next generation. That's the second task. The third task. Generation, guardians of the next generation, we are commanded to teach. Now, I want to just preface this. This is not set aside just for pastors, youth leaders, children's leaders. All of us Have been commanded to teach. Verse 5 He established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. We're commanded to teach the testimony of God to our children. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We are to instruct our children in the testimony and teaching of God. The God who made all things, the God who loves us, the God who gave His life for us, He teaches us in a book, the Bible. We are to teach the next generation. The fourth task that we have is we must help our children to know God. This is the toughest task of all. Because you can teach, but knowing is different. But children are to know the testimony and the teaching of God. They are to know it well enough, says the Bible, that so they can teach the next generation. The goal of teaching is that we own it, is that we own it. Why, 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 why preach on a Sunday? Why, why go to a life group and sit under the Word of God? So that you learn it, so that it's deposited into your lives so that not only has it been taught and deposited, but now you learn to own it and you live it. You live it. Verse 6 says, We teach that the next generation might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to the next, their next children. This is on passing of faith from one generation to another. Knowing is seeing and looking into the beauty of truth and then embracing it for the treasure that it is and holding it close. Parents, church, we can't make that happen, but we must do our best to place God in the center of everything. But in the end, it's the Holy Spirit that draws our children, yeah? Yeah? to that place of faith. But if you haven't done the work beforehand, the Spirit has very little to work with. We need to be at work. And if we commit to these four tasks, this psalm says that there are two blessings that we will receive. The first one is this. Our children, the next generation, will put their trust in God. Verse 7 says that they should put their confidence in God. God has testified and taught that there might be a deposit of reliable truth, that we might teach it to our children, that they might know it and embrace it. Why? So that they might put their confidence in God. The aim of teaching our children about God is to deepen and broaden their confidence in God. I'll put it this way. When children sit in this room, if you bring your children in here or the next generation youth are in here, they need to see the older generation worshiping. They need to see the older generation singing. They need to see the older generation praying. They need to hear the stories that the old generation are telling about the faithfulness of God in their lives. They need to see it. They need to hear it because they're going to see it before they hear it, right? Right? They don't see it in your lives, they won't pick it up out of your lives. It's the kind of teaching that reveals how dependent we are on God and how we must depend on Him for everything. Let me tell you about knowledge that leads to self sufficiency rather than dependence on God is not true knowledge. But flawed knowledge. It's kind of like an architect, an archaeologist, who finds a beautiful ancient painting. And when they find it, he hides it in a locked case and then travels around giving lectures on how clever he was to find this national treasure, but never brings it out of the case for anyone else to admire because the original treasure might distract from his own achievement in finding it. We've got to live our faith outwardly, outwardly. The aim of all knowledge is confidence in God, hope in God, and trust in God. That's the first blessing. The second blessing of this is that our children will live a life of obedience to God. Our confidence in God, rooted in the knowledge of God's testimony and teaching, must lead to a life of obedience. Uh, Let me put it this way. You, You don't have faith in God By being obedient. Faith comes first. Obedience comes second. It doesn't come the other way around. Verse 7. That they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. When our children are confident in God, they will follow the commandments of God. When they have faith in God, they will follow His commandments. Outward obedience will not be legalistic conformity to external rules and pressures. Sometimes you feel that. It's not conforming to rules. It's not conforming to the way things need to be done. It's an internal confidence. Not a self-confidence, but a God confidence. It's a confidence we have in God. Outward obedience to God is the final goal, I think, of parenting. Well, there's several goals on the journey, Right? I mean, number one, when your children are very, very little, um, you are their guardians, their moral guardians. They don't know what they're doing. They, don't, they, got, they haven't got the moral code and brained in their brains yet. That's not there. So you, you're the one who does that. And then as they get older and they begin to morally garden themselves, you know, live life that way, you step back a little bit and they start to live life. So you've got those goals, but you've got a goal of when they, when they get older, you want to be their friends. You don't want to be their friends when they're young, but you want to be their friends when they're older. But the final goal is that your children would have confidence in God. And why? Because it externalizes the glory of God. And that's why the whole universe was created. It was to bring glory to God. And when we and our children are so confident in God, and when we obey God's Demands for love and justice and then beauty and worth and wisdom and love and justice and God shine in this world. And that's why the world was created. Habakkuk 2:14 says that the knowledge of the glory of God might fill the earth the way that the waters cover the sea. When we live in this relationship with God, it brings glory into this world. So we're in this together. Parents are the primary agents for this calling, but no parent can do it with the help of the community. Parents need help in keeping God-centered vision of parenting alive. Parents need a deep confidence in God. Parents need motivation to persevere year in and year out. Parents need encouragement when everything seems to be going wrong. Parents need relief from time to time from the strain of parenting. Parents need help in boiling down the book of God into essential age appropriate portions. Parents need help in teaching subjects and skills where they lack expertise and time. That's why we have the church and we have youth ministry and children's ministry and young adults and all of that. Parents need solutions to tough problems when raising children. Parents need friendship for the sharing of accumulated wisdom. Parents need correction when others see that something is wrong and they can't. Parents need prayer because in the end, God is the great teacher. Parenting is the main thing for children under God. But God means for parenting to happen in a collective community like this. Parents, if you are struggling, call out to those who have gone before you and done the journey. Ask them what they did, how they did it. Be vulnerable. Listen. There's a community here that can help. The next generation don't just need to be taught, but they need to see our commitment to one another. They need to see our commitment to Jesus, and they need to see us worshiping together. So why don't you join me right now? I'm going to pray. And we want to pray that this next generation will put their confidence in God. Let's do it, Father. We um, we're encouraged by your word this morning, Lord, just and reminded also again, just how important the role that we all have in transferring faith from our generation to the one below us. We cannot sit on our hands, Lord, and say, "Oh, we did that years ago; it's now someone else's turn." No. Lord, you've called all of us to be a part of this, So give us the courage, the wisdom, and the means to be able to tell the stories, to be able to saddle alongside the next generation, encouraging them in the ways of Christ, to saddle up against parents and to encourage them in their journey as parents. Lord, to walk with them as they dedicate their children and dedicate their own lives to you, to walk with them and journey with them, Lord. Because, Lord, we long to see the next generation put their confidence in God. We long to see it, Lord, and it won't happen if we're sitting on our hands doing nothing. We need to be active. So Holy Spirit, activate us. Awake, O sleeper. Our souls, that we might wake and be a part of this journey. Thank you, Lord. Amen.